Hey, this is the Councilman, inviting you to tune in for Down Ballot, live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific, right here on Echoplex Media, or on your favorite podcatcher. Get the dip on local derp from the folks who know it best, us. And don't forget to stay tuned for local love. Down Ballot, because all derp is local. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
All right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here at twitch.tv slash echoplexmedia. Or if you're more familiar with our website, you just go to echoplexmedia.com slash live, and you could find out, um, I don't know, how to watch, how to listen, whatever, whatever. Uh, I'm producer Dave, and you can find me on Grinder. <laughs> this is uh, the councilman. You can find me on Twitter if you really want to, but most times you can find me in and around City Hall just uh, being a denizen for local politics and public policy. Um, if you really want to find out where I'm at, you can check it out on uh, ecoplexmedia.com. We have a contact page with all of our information. You can also go there to give us a few shill bucks if you're interested on whatever you know, shill buck uh, generator of choice you prefer. <laughs> um, Patreon, you can come over to Twitch and give us some subscriptions and get us a, a little more, uh, a couple more bucks there. Every, every dollar you give, Helps producer Dave stay out of jail. So, um, <laughs> so please, please keep giving. the The phone lines are open and operators are standing by. Actually, that's going to be true during uh, local love. We do run the phones during local love, though. Nobody ever fucking calls the show anymore because I think everybody prefers Discord. Is it still the same phone number? Yeah four 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 one five nine zero three plex nine zero three plex. Please call. Uh, they're they're very lonely. We generally are. Yeah. <laughs> well, except for the chat, of course. Welcome to the chat. Thank you all for being here live, um, and welcome to all of our listener. Um, or actually, we, we we doubled our listenership, right? So we have two listeners now on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> welcome to both of you um, listening uh, on the back end. We hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> we hope you enjoy the show this evening. Um, do you want well, to get right you into it? Or do, you any, do you have any announcements, or do you want to get right into it for, uh, for uh, this? Just season? real quick, uh, anybody local? We're uh, doing an event over at um, Liquid Lounge on Thursday. I'll be playing. Chip Deville will be playing. Uh, Three-Headed Dragon will be playing. The Rebels Camp will be playing. That's over at Liquid Lounge. I think the doors open at like 8.30. Liquid Lounge is on 3rd Street in San Jose. You can just uh, look it up. It should be a great show. I don't know when everyone's time slots are, um, but the the other thing is if you're going just to see one of the action, go fuck yourself because wall to wall, it's going to be a great show. And uh, it's my first indoor event back in San Jose. I've only played out in San Francisco uh, since the since things have, things have started. So, uh, yeah. Tip your bartenders. That's what's really important. Tip your bartenders. Absolutely. As always. Well, uh, good luck with the, I used to live right around the corner from, uh, from liquid lounge. Although I can't say that I've been there more than once or twice. So I, I would definitely go to see all of those acts and artists. Um, you should definitely be, uh, geeked up about each and every one of them. Um, especially rebels camp, obviously, because you know, 90% of the music we play on this station is <laughs> rebels, camp. rebels camp. That was the case at one point. Yeah. Cause they're yeah. rather prolific. We've, uh, expanded the library a little bit since that's true including our theme song um which i just absolutely love it is the app i think we found the absolute perfect theme song for this show so um so shout, shout out, out to model rocket scientists for sending us in their music and anybody in chat who doesn't know what this show is the name should tell you but down ballot is our local news show this show happened because on our sunday show where we do our main news show uh, the councilman and the good wife were putting in some um local stories then all of a sudden they were taking up most of the show <laughs> so we're like oh well this should be its own show now shouldn't it Absolutely. We, we, I didn't want to interrupt the, the conspiracy docket anyway, because there's usually so much to discuss already, right? So we didn't want to make the show like three hours long. So we decided to split it off and, and give the folks who are interested in uh, more of a uh, curated boutique kind of angle on, uh, on politics um, uh, a chance to, to expand with us and expand your minds. Um, and like we always like to say, all derp is local. Um, while we might cover the South Bay Area and the Bay Area in general, um, uh, uh, on the regular, we obviously understand that, and, and we hope that you understand that all of these stories resonate no matter where you're from. Um, we're pretty sure you can find analogies to to your environment um, in all of the stories. That's what we hope. 
So, and just real although, quick, now that you're like, oh, the Sunday show, we didn't want to make it three hours. How long do you think I was live this past Sunday? Four, five, seven, seven. So, you know, it happens. <laughs> it's just because Allie keeps popping stories into the, into the discord and you know, you got it. You got to cover them all. They're really good. Um, anyway, but, uh, but speaking of stories that just are uniquely down ballot, um, if we want to get into leading off here tonight, uh, I, I, I knew you were going to have this on the docket before I even opened the shared docket. I opened the shared docket and this was the only story you had posted so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember seeing this story on, on the news and turning to the good wife and saying, if this doesn't lead off down ballot, I really don't know what is going to lead off down ballot this week. Um, so I, I suppose we just should just hit play, although there might be an ad on it because it's Fox. So I, I already, I already, I already, come on. I already, I already got I, that. I figured, I figured you front loaded that shit. So um, I, yeah, yeah, I already, let's, let's I already watched the ad and bought the product. The days is Monday, and there will be more than just people in the stands. The Coliseum has been overrun by feral cats who apparently saw the pandemic years as an opportunity to grow their ranks, so to speak. KTV's Ann Rubin is live with the tales for us this evening, and, and authorities had a meeting to discuss the issue today, and they say their plan to deal with the cats is actually working. It's just working slowly. The plan is to spay and neuter the adults and adopt out the kittens, but the A's will have to share the Coliseum with the cats for the foreseeable future. They've been lurking in the dugouts, <laughs> dumpsters, and, well, reproducing. The Oakland Coliseum has been overrun by feral felines. On the Coliseum site, um, we're talking about probably 50 or so cats, and I always say if you see 50, there are going to be more. At least another 50 to 100 nearby, according to Oakland Animal Services. And so they, along with Island Cat Resources and Adoption, have begun to trap and fix the kitties before releasing them back at the Coliseum. They've been taking these photos as they do. Largely, um, it's in their best interest to stay where they are. Um, but we want to get everybody spayed and neutered so that they stop reproducing. At a meeting today, Coliseum officials discussed the issue, saying the cats have had an unintended benefit. No one's seen a rat there in years. <laughs> trap neuter return program indefinitely. If we think we will get this under control. We can live with the cats. Uh, they do good work, uh, but uh, we need to deactivate some of them. We don't need quite as many as we've got on duty right now. It seems, at least for now, the Coliseum cats will become part of the ambience at A's games. And A's president, Dave Cavill, says he's mostly okay with that. As long as they stay off the field during the actual game. That's the one thing, but you never know. That famously happened back in the 90s, prompting then-manager Tony La Russa to adopt the cat and start an animal shelter. As for the current crop, Animal Services says only the kittens will be fit for adoption. The first litters are currently at a foster home, but the A's plan to do their part in organizing Coliseum kitten adoption events when the time is right. It's happened before. I think there are many more people who are going to be positively impacted by these kittens, and we look forward to doing our part and ensuring that they find families uh, to be with. Officials with Animal Services say this won't be a quick fix. They've only spayed and neutered about 20 cats so far. No word on when the kitten adoptions might happen. They say this is just the beginning of kitten season. Andre? Unique way of dealing with uh, with the problem at the Coliseum. Ed Rubin reporting for us live at the Coliseum, and thank you. So that's, that's adorable. Of course, I put it on the docket. The only thing I wanted to, to mention is that uh, the last guy, I think he was uh, the, the president or something or the CEO of the A's, had Correct. big like Austin Bennett had he not lost his mind vibes. 
<laughs> very much so. He's very exuberant. He's also, um, he was a key stakeholder in the earthquakes, the soccer team or football team here in San Jose. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's also the guy that's looking at Las Vegas and trying to leverage Las Vegas against Libby Schaff in Oakland. And um, he's a very interesting guy, very rich, obviously. Um, sort of polarizing with A's fans. But yeah, this this is, uh, you know, it sounds like good news for the cats, I guess. Um, the ones who get picked up, you know, they get spayed or neutered, so they're not like propagating themselves all over the place. And they get to go back to the Coliseum and enjoy, you know, leftover nachos and, uh, you know, steaks from the um, from the, the uh, tailgating party. Um, maybe lap up a little beer here and there. You know, they're going to have they're having a good life. So um, I think that's why they're releasing him back. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep a listener and, and viewers uh, aware of uh, when they're having the adoption events, because I'm sure plenty of our viewers and, and our, our patrons uh, would love to hear about little kitties that they could adopt. Plus, every day is Catterday. That's true, and I I did not know there was a kitten season though. That's pretty interesting to me. I would figure. I mean, I guess winter would typically be the time when you would think you know adoptions would be most needed. Um, but yeah, I didn't realize there was a kitten season. Um, there's a baseball season. <laughs> uh, so hopefully the cats can be good, bring good luck. It looked like there were some really fierce cats out there actually. So maybe like they can you know invade the opposing team's clubhouse and like pee all over everything, right? And just <laughs> stink it up, or, <laughs> right? Or like tear up their uniforms, right? Um, so they can't play the game. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's plenty of benefits that the A's could reap from these cats. It's much better than the last issue that they had at the Coliseum, which was uh, around uh, sewage backing up. I, you, we covered that, right? Uh, yes. The sewage backed up into the into the clubhouse and the dugouts. Too many cats um, is better than too many poops. Yeah, I'd say so. You know, stagnant poop, not good. Cats, you know, you can deal with as long as you just don't get bit from, by the feral ones. You need to and make sure that they're all, make sure that they get their shots too. Um, so, Baldy to the cats. Thanks for cleaning up the rats. Very nice. And uh, hopefully when they move to Vegas, they'll take you with them. But probably not. No, but then the cats can just inherit the old Coliseum. True, but then there won't be like hot dogs and nachos and stuff to eat. It'll just be sort of dead. So um, they'll just have to live off of what they can scavenge in Oakland. Poor Oakland. Always always left behind. Uh, well, shall we move on to winners and losers? Yeah, yeah. This is the segment where there are no winners. And if anybody does win, it's not who you're rooting for. Uh, this first story is the Bay Area reacts to the court overruling a mask mandate. I got to tell you, the judge... I thought the judge was supposed to rule on the constitutionality of laws and regulations and not just uh, spew out the Facebook comments in their judgment. But here it's, we are. <laughs> seemed like what happened. Seems like what happened. Well, look, I mean, we all know who appointed the judge. So, well, yeah, but I mean, this was some of the some of the some of the judges, that the, the former guy appointed have just done their job like a normal judge. Like most of them have so far. A lot of them, you know, turned down a bunch of the whack stuff um, after the after the last election. But this person, they just like fuck it. It was just straight up the worst comments in a COVID comment thread from Facebook. We got All a live one. We got a live one. So Let's yeah. So this is the Bay Area's reaction to it. Um, overturning on just public transit. I thought it was just the flights, but on public transit too. I ain't get. I ain't getting on that fucking train without a mask. Fuck that shit. Oh, we shall see. We shall see what the local uh, authorities decide to do. And moving you forward this midday as mask mandate for travelers, well, that's changing. Well, this comes as a federal judge in Florida struck down the mask mandate on planes, trains, and buses. And now NBC Bay Area is learning that Bay Area agencies are following suit here. Now, the changes are causing some tension and confusion among all of those travelers. 
NBC Bay Area Sierra Johnson joins us now live from SFO to help us sort all of this confusion out. Sierra? Don't make her stand in the airport. Let her, <laughs> let her stand outside, dude. Let her stand outside. She's masked up, at least. Um, For many, sorry. there's still a ah. little bit of confusion about what is going on following that ruling out of Florida. So we've been here all day. We what? started bright and early, and at that time, nearly every employee here at SFO was wearing a mask. There weren't that many travelers, but as you can see now, there are several more travelers than earlier this morning. For the most part, a majority of those travelers are still wearing their masks, but there are a handful that have decided to not wear their masks. So let's take a broader look at what exactly the new rules are regarding the mask when it comes starting with airlines. So take a look at your screen. We have a graphic to break down exactly which airlines stand where. So masks are officially optional on the following airlines, Alaska, United, Delta, JetBlue, American, as well as Southwest. But what if you're traveling by public transportation? Well, that's where things get a little more complicated. You can see there are three categories. The first, masks are recommended with agencies like Amtrak, San Jose Airport, SFO, Oakland Airport. They're saying they're recommended. VTA, Muni, AC Transit telling mask riders they're still needed. And so, so far, BART is telling us they are currently undecided. So this is where we're hearing from passengers, both those taking off and those who have just landed here at SFO. Uh, they're telling us how they're approaching this new milestone as well as their experience on a newly mask optional flight. We were actually surprised because we hadn't actually heard the news when we flew out of Tampa and then we were told by United that they had lifted the mask ordinance and it was kind of, it was nice for us because this was a longer flight to California. Um, I still felt very... Well, they just cut that off right in the middle of that. Like I said, I didn't like that lady's commentary over there. At, uh, Shit. Over there at Oops. NBC Bay Area. Oops. YouTube fail. No, um, the video just cut. Like it wasn't YouTube. It was like just the end of the video, you know? Oh, weird. Well, or maybe I meant uh, like the upload. Maybe they forgot to upload the whole video. But um, yeah, that that would be very interesting. What? But can you imagine mid-flight? You know, someone is on. You know, they're they're paid wireless, and they're like, "Oh, snap! Someone overturned the mask mandate," and the the flight attendants are like, "All right, woohoo!" No, there was videos <laughs> of that. There were videos really? of like pilots like announcing like that the mask mandate had take been off lifted. your masks yes all right take off your masks and enjoy walking walking about the cabin yeah that would not be happening for me the good wife and i would be like murdering people <laughs> to, to get their masks back on like what the what the fudge um well we, we shall see but uh, again just this this haphazard patchwork quilt of regulations is just going to do nothing but one piss people off give people an opportunity to call shenanigans on the government and and continue to, to distrust right um and uh you know I, I i i do i was heartened to see that if you did watch behind sierra johnson like it seemed like almost everyone um, walking behind her had a mask on. I didn't see. I don't think I saw one unmasked person actually in her, her whole. She was at SF. She was at SFO. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that was what you would hope, right? Yeah, it's um, gonna be. Yeah, she was at SFO, so it's just gonna be a. It's gonna be a different scenario because the Bay Area, like, we're just like, oh, a mask. All right, sure, whatever. Truth, <laughs> truth. Um, um, I uh, yeah, I I think for for those who want to say, why would you trust the government because they are um. You know, they keep changing the rules and regulations and shit. Sure. But like the fucking, like the people who study public health, they're, they're 
not they don't they didn't just change everything because of the court like you know what i'm saying like it's not the it's it's the masks were a good thing not because the government said so but because that's what public health experts at both private and public institutions were saying right right and they're the ones that have to you know they don't make the policy right so they can do everything they can to say well hey um this this is the science guys um we really should do this right um and they do have some authority um as far as you know control over um you know some some to some extent schools and other public agencies in terms of keeping them open or closed um but they really don't have a lot of authority when it comes down to it it's really the the local governments and their the elected bodies that have the authority and so when you're dealing with elected officials as with any kind of uh, government agency this the staff just is at the beck and call of of uh you know politics right and local politics which is the worst it's relationship politics it's 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 a popularity contest politics it's middle school cafeteria politics right so you have these geniuses like sarah cody right these brilliant minds who are uh, who've been in this field in public health for their entire lives who've been working in this for like 30 40 years some of them um they're absolutely experts in their field and they know what they're doing and they're doing their best to try like if it was up to them right and her um and if everyone was as forceful and as, and as good as dr cody has been you know uh then we would have been i think a lot more locked down on the whole across the country and across around the world unfortunately it's just not the case um and so you end up with this patchwork quilt because no one is willing to take charge and just be like this is the way <laughs> this is the way and listen to the science and listen to the health experts because they would all probably get together 99.9 percent .9 of them and and say the same thing like yes wear a mask get vaccinated get your booster do all the things right stay home if you don't have to go to work stay home like they would absolutely be saying all of these things if it wasn't for the need for politicians to appease you know um the voters in their districts and their donors right their campaign donors um, so it's pretty disgusting but that's just the where it's where we're at um and, and, and for, for people who aren't from this area uh dr cody who ta you're talking about oh, is sorry. the public health public health basically the public health king or whatever queen for uh santa clara county and one of the things i did i did like about her is i heard her hedging a lot like when she didn't know she would say things like the best information we have is this. This mm -hmm. is what it seems like is going to happen next. We're hopeful that this can happen. Like all that kind of wording, like makes people, at least people like me more confident because it's like, it's like not this we're sure. And we know everything kind of wording. It's here's where we're at. Here's what we think's going on. And I've been pretty impressed. And what was it? Was her first name? Sarah. Is that right? Sarah Cody. Yeah, correct. And she, then she got pretty well known um, in, a couple of years ago when uh santa clara county became the first county in the nation actually to go into covid lockdown um and shelter in place so uh, she she definitely has made a national name for herself um and that has helped her i think her win political will and support from the board of supervisors and other local elected officials in santa clara county and it's really why we're leading you know the nation san jose and santa clara county are leading the nation in terms of especially urban areas um, in terms of vaccination boosters, we have always led the way testing, whatever the, the benchmark is, uh, in this, this fight, uh, against COVID. So I think there's a couple, there's a couple reasons for that one for all the shit. I talk on all the engineers and shit who came in and ruined our culture. Those people, the flip side of that is during a crisis, those people are going to be more inclined to trust public health officials, mm -hmm. science, uh, you know, virologists. 
people, yeah, <clears throat> yeah they're just going to, I mean, so what, okay, so they ruined all the art and culture here, but like the flip side of it is in a catastrophe, you could trust them to like be able to determine who is and is not an expert most of the time. Generally speaking, generally speaking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also socioeconomic. This is a fairly rich area. Um, it's, right. uh, the public health infrastructure here before the pandemic was like best in the nation. If I'm not mistaken, Santa Clara County is best public health system in the nation. Very strong. I mean, we have, we actually have, if you want to talk about single payer or, or full, you know, full affordable health coverage, um, we have it here. We have universal coverage here in Santa Clara County. All children have been covered since the children's health initiative passed in the late nineties. Um, there's a, there's a public health plan that I was on for a while, but it's, it's available. You can get it for free if, if you're of need. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's, there's public health healthcare options up and down here and access to it where it has been sort of lacking has been in places like East San Jose and uh, East Palo Alto and areas where uh, most of the Easts basically where, um, uh, you know, uh, it tends to be more uh, people of color um, and lower income communities where the access just isn't as good. Um, so we have community health clinics, but they can't really do the kind of same kind of level of work that Valley health and Kaiser can. Well, not for um, nothing, the big hospitals on the West side, you know, yeah, exactly. And the scale in Stanford, right, for example, the biggest hospitals in the area, all on the west side of the peninsula. Um, so they can't really do the scale. Uh, so they have lagged behind. But on the whole, right, if you look at the averages, yes, we're, we're doing great. But there are pockets where it's like where there is absolute need and we're not doing as well as we could. Um, so we could be doing even better. Imagine that if we served all of the folks who need it. Well, uh, here's a story about poop. We like to talk about poop this time. It's not poop in front of the artisan cupcake shop in san francisco this is just a uh, covid covid lingers in your poop for months apparently and uh here's a local story about it, it must have been a slow news day on COVID slow movement scientists are gaining more clarity about those lingering covid system symptoms turns out covid can remain in different parts of the body including your gut nbc bay area's audrey assistio spoke one-on-one -on -one with the author of a new study at stanford Wastewater surveillance, it's been a reliable way of tracking COVID spread in communities. In order to interpret this information that we're getting from wastewater, it's super helpful if we understand how many people are secreting or excreting SARS-CoV-2 RNA in their stool and for how long. Right. But over the past two years, scientists at Stanford Medicine have taken an even deeper dive, looking at the actual feces of COVID patients. Dr. Ami Pat is the senior author of a new study just released this week. What was interesting in our study was that we not only found that SARS-CoV-2 genetic material or RNA was in the stool sample of a large proportion of our patients, but we actually found that people continued to shed SARS-CoV-2 RNA for weeks and even months. She and her colleagues found about how Half of infected patients with mild to moderate COVID began shedding traces of the virus in their waste in the week after infection. Oh, what is that? 13% no. still had COVID. Uh, why did you have to show that? Later, and almost 4% harbored COVID <laughs> in their waste seven months later. To be able to interpret these findings, it's critical that we understand the dynamics of fecal shedding in patients. And that's part of the They had all kind of B roll and stock footage they could have shown, but they had to choose that. They would call, I call that the P roll. <laughs> the poor roll that was fecal shedding at its max right there it was like oh a fucking goodness. for people on the pod man that was like a sink it was like not just like your it was like a like a like an industrial sink that was just spitting poop water like into a into a 
Like why yeah. would why like I, I'm sure it's useful like at the treatment plant, but they could have just shown us they could have just shown us something else. It was a spigot of shit. That's all I could say. <laughs> it even made this lady make a face. We're gonna get a screenshot of this. Well, this is her it. job. This is what I'm thinking. Like this is someone's job. This is this lady's job. <laughs> <laughs> is to look at shit all day. I mean, God, that's got to be just foul. <laughs> hey, can you can you give me some of that shit over there? I need to look at that shit. Is that shit ready for for looking at? Is that shit ready for analysis? No, is it not fresh enough shit? Can we get some fresher shit? We really need fresher shit to analyze. Hope to, be able able to achieve with studies like ours. Mounting evidence that COVID can actively infect the gut for months, and those affected often suffer lingering gastrointestinal symptoms such as nausea, vomiting, and abdominal pain. And so I think it's just really important that we keep an open mind about this virus and understand that it is continuing to evolve. In Mountain View, Audrey Assistio, NBC Bay Area News. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> But just think, like, uh, so I wonder if these people are blind, uh, blinded in this study. Like, are they just grabbing whatever poop they can in the sewage system? And are they, or, but are they, are they actually like the Nielsen's ratings? Like, are they picking out people that, <laughs> that just randomly, right, and testing their poop? Um, I wonder, right? Are we all contributing to this this grand study? Because all the poop go, flows the same for the most part in San Jose, Santa Clara County. All the poop flows to the same place for the wastewater facility up in uh, North San Jose. Um, in Alviso, up Alviso way. Man, I'm sure you have all kind of interesting things to say about this, but we're moving on to the next story. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got I got nothing. It's poop. I don't really, I was going to try and get us away from the poop into more, you know, recycled water and poop water, but we don't need to talk about that tonight. You're still talking about it. We, am I? Am I? <laughs> really? Shit. Okay, so we're going to move on up to Antioch. That's a little bit north of here, north and east of here. And um, they're having some issues where people just don't agree about what kind of flags to fly we'll let the local news cover it see what see what's going on here all flags matter it gives me hope that there's progress being made that's how robin kuslitz of the contra costa rainbow community center says they feel to know the pride flag will be displayed at their hometown city hall for all of 2022 the mayor says reports of recent homophobic attitudes being expressed in antioch spurred the council to take the unprecedented move. This is a place that welcomes everybody, and we're going to do our damnedest to ensure that everybody feel welcome in this community, including our LGBT, LGBTQ uh, brothers and sisters. I have this out, out front of my house. Instead of the rainbow flag, the newer Progress Pride flag, which is more inclusive, is now being flown. But not everybody's happy Antioch is displaying a pride flag. We have the United States of America flag, we have California flag, and we have the city of Antioch flag. Why do we need any other flags? Two council members voted against it, saying they have no problem displaying the flag for Pride Month. But keeping it up all year isn't fair to others. I was contacted by some veterans and said, what about us in November at Veterans Day? Some police officers said, sure. what about us? Spoke to a well, firefighter yesterday, said, what about us? I think mm. we just need to be representative of everybody in the community. And if we fly one flag for, what is it, nine months now or eight months that are left, it just doesn't leave us to do anything for anybody else. The mayor insists other organizations can still request their flag be flown as well. But many think displaying the Progress Pride flag is needed. I love that my hometown's flying the Pride flag. Kuslet says she's proud Antioch is sending a strong statement 
that the LGBTQ community has a place in the city and can be celebrated year-round. It is a historic move. I think it could really be a model for many cities to do um, and raising the flag for the rest of the year. I mean, that's such a huge step and a huge symbol. The pride flag will remain up through December 31st. In Antioch, Jody Hernandez, NBC Bay Area News. I mean, it's good timing with all this weird shit going on uh, with everybody like claiming a bunch of teachers that any teacher that's gay that mentions that it's like some kind of fucking groomer and shit. So it's fairly mm-hmm. good timing. I think all things considered, I bet it doesn't necessarily have to do with that. But I, I just think considering the, uh, the political environment right now, I think it's not the worst idea in the world. No, not at all. Um, and although I will give us, I mean, if it seemed like the council members who objected and, uh, what's her name? Lori Ogre chalk. Um, what uh, uh seem to object to was that this doesn't leave any opportunity oh they, there's no they have nothing wrong with the lgbtqia2 n2 plus community um they no problem at all but they just want to have opportunity for other groups like the police and the firefighters to have their their you know their flags raised to which i would reply make an allocation to get a second flagpole. <laughs> you only got one, you only got one flagpole out front of this place. Like it's, it's already overstressed anyway. You got four flags on there, get another flagpole and then you can fly all the freaking flags you want. If you want to recognize POWs, great. If you want to recognize veterans, great. If you want to recognize, uh, you know, you name it, right. Another country, San Jose does it all the time. San Jose has four flagpoles out front of their city hall. Granted, it's a you know bigger city hall and they spent way too much money on it, but they got four flagpoles and, <laughs> The fourth flagpole is used all the time for ceremonial flag raisings. You know, they read the Greek flag up the other day. Um, they they raised the, uh, the the United Farm Workers flag. I've seen this. I think the South Vietnamese flag or the Unity flag is getting raised in a few weeks. So, you know, get another flagpole. It can't cost that much money. They probably don't want to appropriate the money. And they just don't. Secretly, they don't like. They get squishy about or the pride. There's this other like sort of there's and it's always been this position. And I think that. Uh, the people who voted no on it would tell you that their position like in private even would tell you that their position is something like, Oh, it's fine. If people are gay, I just don't want them showing it to me all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't need you don't throw it in my face. Don't throw your gayness in my face. Producer Dave. I think I that's like, the, that's and, and what they said there wasn't that, but I bet in private, that would be what they would tell people their position about it is. And it's right. like, well, you know, whatever it's like, and I don't, I don't mean to be crude. You know, it's LGBTQIA2S. Oh, I just—that's that's the new—that's the new, I think, um, all-inclusive moniker. I, I go think. back. I I just go back to the easier one, and I just say queer folks. Boom. Got yeah, it. Yeah, right. Like, is that okay? Is that so? I'm, as, I mean, as a I white fucking, street I dude, I need to ask. I need, I need to ask. I think it just ally. matters who you are, and like, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. Um, I mean, I'm all for that. Like, I, I would love to be able to get my, my queer folk, right? My, right, because my like, folk. otherwise, otherwise, because there's a lot of people who would do this thing where they're like LGBT LMNOP, where they're making fun of it. And so right. if you stumble over it or whatever, I think there's some chance of being misinterpreted. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, because, you you I, know, there's just some chance of being misinterpreted because I don't remember the, the acronym either. And it's like not my job. The queer yeah, community my- is fine. Like my only concern, I guess, with queer would be just I don't want to appropriate it to the extent where it seems like I'm trying to like claim that it's my culture too, right? Or that I understand I understand um, as a, as a straight honky. I don't think I I will ever. Um, <laughs> but I do. But I I completely appreciate and love and I I uh, I love the phrase. So I'm happy to to go with it as long as folks understand that's where I'm coming from. 
but All yeah, right. I think the like I said, the the big problem there is that a lot of people make fun of the acronym, and then if you stumble over right. the acronym, somebody might think you're making fun of the acronym. And that's why that's I don't true. do it. That's true. That's so true. we're gonna go ahead and skip this next uh, this yikesy story that you said the worst. We're just gonna skip that. <laughs> just a story on the docket that was big. If yikes you, you want to check out the show notes, it's the worst person. Like winners and losers. This is loser. Like this is like triple loser. But with, with uh, everything going on in the world right now, people just don't need that story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were here to depress the fuck out of people. Well, then, then in that case, let's watch Big Eyed Shaban for 10 minutes. Oh, uh, God. So we've been covering this thing, right? It's uh, at San Francisco, get your shit together. But it's really like San Francisco. All right, all right, all right. We understand this guy wants a Peabody Award or whatever. We've been watching this thing. It's called Saving San Francisco. But so far, it's just been about one dude that like is in desperate need of mental health treatment and has been terrorizing the community and the, the city, the city, county, and to some extent the federal government has let him and the community down but that's what this has been yep. about it isn't about saving the city of san francisco this would have actually been a wonderful fucking documentary if they would have been like hey look at how the system is failing this person and everyone in fucking what part oh they're going to tell a whole story about this guy again don't worry about it that's all they got right they've got right. like 27 episodes of the same story about this guy so right. we're on to part six it's called I'm not that guy. So maybe it won't be about that guy. <laughs> I don't know. It might be though. I think he actually meets that guy in this, in this one. This is like the ultimate one. Okay. So 20 years ago, living in San Francisco in my twenties, super fun city to be in. My girlfriend said, Hey, we're joining. Why is everything less fun now that I'm in my forties? You idiot. <laughs> Just harder to have fun. Your body doesn't work the same way, you fucking idiot. So I said, okay. It happened to be kind of a fancier gym than I'm used to. But yeah, it was it was definitely a gym for beautiful people. It had these showers that were peekaboo showers where if you were to jump in the shower, people on the outside could see a silhouette of you showering. I was in the Castro. I like that. I like that gym. So one Fancy. of the perks with the gym comes free memberships with one of Crunch Fitness's personal trainers. I didn't really want to do the session, but I figured, okay, it's free. We'll see what happens. I show up and I meet my personal trainer. He's very nice. He's very funny. He seems professional and also fit, which is a good thing. Definitely within the first 20 minutes. It's the guy. Like, oh, I am exhausted and I don't feel great. I start getting lightheaded and I think, okay, where can I do this? Uh, knowing that I'm about to throw up and sure enough, I threw up in the middle of the gym in a garbage can and I come back over to him and he says, he smiles and he says, hey, you, you earned your wings, you did it. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to push you to the limit. And he definitely pushed me to the limit. Okay, so what's crazy is a couple years later, I'm driving in San Francisco and I'm at a stoplight and I see this homeless guy, which isn't unusual in San Francisco. I lock eyes with him and I was like, whoa, I know this guy. He's he made me throw up. Personal trainer from Crunch Fitness. It was hard to put together like, how did this happen? How did this guy go from working at this great gym and now he's on the street? I'm a he lost his job at NBC at and I'm an editor. In fact, I'm actually editing this actual series you're watching right now. So I'm scrolling through the video and I lock eyes with the man on the screen and my mind is blown. 
I'm positive that this guy we're doing a story on was my personal trainer and who was the same guy that I saw homeless on the street 20 years ago. And that guy. Oh, Tim. James Durgan. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is just about him guy. again. But he is that guy. Ribbit. Ribbit. James Durgan has been locked up here at the San Francisco County Jail for more than 200 days. We spent weeks asking him for an interview. He said no. Hi, James. But then he changed his mind. Because you kept fucking harassing him. And here you are. Yep, yep. I'm like a wuss when it comes to, to crime. When I got out of that jail, I really felt like I had done my time, basically. I felt like I had served a purpose. Um, and so to be arrested again was really difficult for me. James just got word a judge has granted his release once again, if he agrees to enter a drug treatment program. So he'll be free as soon as the spot opens up. So emotionally, I'm, I'm, I'm here and there and all over the place. It's, it's a pretty difficult uh, situation to be so misunderstood. Back to what is it, Martha's Vineyard or wherever the fuck they were before? Duxbury, Massachusetts. Cape Cod. The local newspaper there was the Duxbury Clipper. Dude, if you live in a place where the local newsbear, newspaper is called the Duxbury Clipper, your house Duxbury. is worth $7 million. <laughs> the, the boathouse is worth $7 million. <laughs> May of 1986, there was an article written about a student play debuting at James's high school. That production, Eddie Was Here, told the story of a young teen who died of an overdose of drugs and alcohol. In the show, that boy craved popularity and pleaded for help, but never could overcome his addiction. That boy was played. called it a powerful play, in part because of the lead actor and the depth of his portrayal. So, the lead actor? Back then, he went by Jimmy Durgan. I know a lot of things have been said about you, but how would you describe James Durgan? Well, definitely that's a really difficult question to answer. I'll say it this way. I learned some things about myself that I don't know how to, ex how to explain. James went on to mention a lot of his life story, and much of what he told us checks out, like his degree from St. Anselm College in New Hampshire. Liberal studies and great books. There was also his stint as a teacher at that college prep boarding school near Palo Alto. I taught uh, screenwriting and creative writing. And his time as a fitness instructor in San Francisco. In 2003, I was a personal trainer at Crunch Fitness. Remember, his workout was so intense, it made our editor throw up at the gym. But there was something else James mentioned that caught our attention, something he says was his proudest achievement. <laughs> James told us he volunteered at the maternity ward of San Francisco General Hospital. I feel like it's the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. I feel like it's the greatest thing I'll ever do to, to walk in off the streets and have them hand you a, new, a newborn baby. And all you do is stand for an hour with a newborn child in your arms. So you would actually volunteer and, and hold newborn babies? Oh, heck yeah. This is way before all this stuff. So it does probably seem a little out of context, but I'm basically the same person. Could you understand how there are some people who might hear that and frankly think that's unbelievable? Yeah, I suppose. James said he volunteered there more than 20 years ago, 
rechecked with the hospital. Their volunteer records don't go that far back. But two longtime employees there don't remember having a male volunteer. My mom, when I was a kid, she said to me, she said, I want you to always rely on the exact nature of your own experience. And I think that what she meant was don't let, don't let someone else's idea of you guide your own belief about yourself. And so I'm in a situation right now where there's a lot of talk about me, a lot of talk about like what kind of person I am. I'm not, I'm not that guy, basically. I'm not that guy, so. How does a well-liked and well-read guy from Massachusetts end up in jail here in San Francisco? I don't understand what it is to be um, guilty of this stuff. I don't. I mean, I'm not a hurtful person. I'm not a harmful person. I know I'm going to be somewhere in the future looking back on this knowing like, wow, that was all just someone else's story for me. Before you got here, where were you living? Um, in a sleeping bag. How long have you been homeless? In 2008, I think the decision I made was back in 2008. Yeah. Yep. So we're talking about well over a decade. Yeah. It's not a bad life. It's not a bad life. It's not a bad life. While living on the streets, James shared much of his journey on social media. And many of his posts sounded like pleas for help. I think I'm running out of time, he wrote in one message. What does it mean to have the worst kind of pain ever? He asked in another. And his friends seemed genuinely concerned. What's going on, Jimmy? Please, my brother, tell us how to help. Over the years, his posts became darker and more desperate. I'm sleeping right now at the beach, totally headed for 18 straight hours of drug abuse. What drew you to the Presidio? Baker Beach. Well, I grew up on a beach in my hometown, so I'm very familiar with being close to the water. I just, I just like being there. It makes you feel like you're really kind of exploited of this guy. This is gross. I feel really gross. No, he feels Anne Ray. Uh oh. Why do you say that? What is your name again? Begad. Okay, as you edit this story, right? I think what we should do is just give Miss Ray credit for 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 being uh, unapologetic about her her concerns. I just wanted to say something. I am. They've shown that fucking clip like. Every episode. Um, that we would not be in this situation at all. I'm sure we could be best friends. I'm sure we could be. You think you could be best friends with Anne? Oh, I could be best friends with anyone. Yeah. She's convinced you're obsessed with her. Obsessed? And obsessed is sort of a strong word to use. How would you describe your relationship with Anne? How would I describe my relationship with Anne? Well, I don't have one with her. I've never spoken to her. I've never, even, I've never actually even met her. I mean, maybe not for lack of trying, but they showing up mm -hmm. to her house naked right. one night. 
do I remember that? Gosh, what do I say? Do I remember? Let me try this. I showed up without clothes on because my friend recommended to me that I just show how sorry I was about things and that it would at least display a vulnerability. Yeah, they're just like fucking, this is just like <clears throat> some kind of like I don't know. Some kind of weird. Can't even come up with the words for like what they're doing here. It feels really. It's just really exploitative. It doesn't just feel that way. I think it just is. Your way of somehow apologizing to her? Uh, yeah. It's not my nature to harm people. It's not my nature to harm. Did you ever use chalk to write a message outside her house? Like, is he supposed to admit to doing all these things? Like, right? If you were rational, you wouldn't be sitting here on TV if you haven't been convicted of them yet, right? Right, right. That's your lawyer. Your lawyer would tell you, "Fucking, don't say anything. Why are you talking to the fucking media at all?" Who is it for? Me. So the "I love you" message wasn't for Anne. It could have been. It wasn't. I mean, if she wants to, if she wants to receive it that way, but it was. It was basically. <laughs> See, like his, he sounds like an attorney. I heart. Okay. I mean, right? yeah, he's been definitely been coached by his attorney, but as well yeah. he should be. People yeah. have called you aggressive. Oh, by the way, this shot of Bagad was filmed after the whole interview is happened. Aggressive. This is the only shot happening during the interview, live, and or that. But there's, as you can see, you'll never see Bagad in this shot, right? You'll only see that shot. So that's. That's fake. It's it's recorded separately. You might, you might have been asking generally the same questions, but you can never know for sure word for word. But it's definitely recorded separately. He was interviewing him live. I'm sure. I'm 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 positive he was interviewing him live. But this they shot it separately. DMT, Suboxone, and K, which is they call it Spice, and then there is another one. There's, there's, a, there's a number of them. How long would you say you've been an addict? Oh, gosh, for years. Since I can remember. How does it feel to know you'll be released soon? Well, I've been through it so many times. Law enforcement sources told us he's had about 60 arrests, but James himself says it's been more than double that. Well, over 140 times. 140? 140 times. That's like for you to know. <laughs> Between court expenses and hospital visits, someone who is chronically homeless costs taxpayers an average of $35,000 per year. James has been homeless for at least 14 years. Oh no, they're gonna go look how much he's costing. Oh, shut up. Yikes. Criminal records we obtained show at least 40 different public defenders have represented James in court, sparring with at least 43 prosecutors in the DA's office. His run-ins with the law span years even dating back to when the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, was San Francisco's district attorney. For James Durgan, the wheels of justice have been more like a revolving door. Sometimes it's funny, I get more nervous about getting released than I do about staying in jail. Why is that? Uh, sometimes I... Sometimes I'm think, I think I'm involved in something in which people want to hurt me so badly that they'd rather just keep me in jail. Do you feel like you're a victim in all this? 
And what could you see about them in that shot? Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. This is, yeah. The exception improves the rule. We have one more minute. Okay. Do you think you'll wind up back in jail? I don't think so. This is, <clears throat> this is literally, how is this, how has this documentary been about saving San Francisco? I don't know, other than Big Ad seems to think in his head that, and the producers seem to think that this guy, this one gentleman, um, is somehow indicative and representative of the entire system that is failing us um, and, and failing to protect us and failing to keep, protect people like James. Um, and you know, it's, it's exploitative. It's taking a narrative and just spinning it, um, to one's own desire. And it's really not telling, I mean, it's telling a story, but it's not telling the right story. And it's certainly not telling, I think a fair story about this guy or about the city or about the system either. Um, because some things, and some things are accurate, right? Like the it's not unique. Like the numbers they quoted in terms of, you know, the cost of, um, the cost of society, the cost to the taxpayer of, um, programs that, um, respond to homelessness, that respond to mental illness, that respond to these things. Those programs cost so much more than investing in programs to, uh, prevent that, right. To prevent people from becoming homeless, to, to, support them in their drug treatment to support them within their mental illnesses right uh there's not there's not as much near anywhere near as much money spent on proactive solutions and preventative solutions always all we do is react and that's why it costs so much money and that's actually true that that number they quoted is fairly accurate santa clara county spends on the in the neighborhood of like uh, i forget how much in the neighborhood of hundreds of millions of dollars um annually just in support services for the unhoused um so it, if you, we spend even a fraction of that on just housing people and getting them a roof over their heads, we could be saving tons of money um, and, and helping them on their way to success and keeping them out of jail and keeping them out of the situation that this poor guy's in. Well, um, and not for nothing, they're also just putting that victim, if if she's, if, <laughs> like, they're probably... Yeah, they bring them at risk, too. Well, they're probably, yeah. like, they're probably turning the temperature up on some of the, the ways in which they're describing uh, his interaction w- with... That's, I'm going to yeah. say that's his stalking victim appears to be a stalking victim. Um, yeah. and then, so they're putting like her on display too, for all the world to see, which is like, not like they're not saving San Francisco. 
Yeah, and they're not really helping her all that much either, right? But um, even though she's a willing participant, right? She had to sign off on doing it. Um, yeah, they're they're cherry picking a lot of stuff too. Right? Well, like not even a lot of stuff. Just... They're just cherry picking one thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. And they, but to to make their narrative right, the they've got they show. Oh, he's got he had these social media posts where he was speaking about you know being on drugs and being you know in a bad way or not getting any sleep. But they would highlight like a portion of his post. And but if you read the rest of the post, it it really was just sort of him ranting and just doing some sort of like, you know, spoke some sort of, you know, a stream of consciousness kind of stuff, but it wasn't really like, I didn't read it as depressed or suicidal or any of that. Um, and then they pick, you can pick a million, you can pick a comment out of Facebook, you know, it's like picking that shit out of pepper, as they say, you know, it's like there's a million comments you could pick out of anyone's post that, um, if you take it out of context, it means something. I was like, Oh, I'm sorry, bro. How can we help? It's like, I get that when I post about my dog passing away, right? I get posts like, so sorry, bro. I, if you need anything, I'm here for you. Um, so, but I'm not suicidal. So, um, nor am I on drugs, nor do I have mental illness. So but there's like about, there's about a little less than three minutes left of this. Are they going to save San Francisco in the next three minutes of this fucking I, thing? I doubt it. I doubt <laughs> it. I'm amazed we watched the whole thing, but I doubt it. Let's see. All this season, we've been searching for answers on how to go about saving San Francisco. But you haven't. <laughs> you haven't been doing anything. You've been like right. putting the lives of two people on display. Right. Maybe another question we should be asking is what would it look like to save James Durgan? Think about how many lives he's impacted. The people who fear him and those who love him. The pain he's caused and the pain he suffered, his cost to the city, and the price he's already paid. And James is just one of more than 8,000 homeless in San Francisco, all with their own unique stories and needs. So how do you fix a broken city? Maybe the real answer is one person at a time. Oh, for fuck's sake. still doing this a panel show i'd make everybody stop and hold hands and shit even a monster real or perceived has a history has a, a background they're human beings and and it's um it's tragic you cannot be a healthy individual if you don't have a place to live we need to fix the affordable housing crisis in this country. I think it's possible for us to have a city where there are no people sleeping on the streets here. We should have done a documentary about him. San Francisco is being blurred by <laughs> the secret environment that we're living in right now. This is my home. Why should I leave? Why should I be fearful? I grew up here, and there are times that I am frustrated, that I am disappointed, but I still love this city. We know this is a beautiful city, and we know what's possible. There is a chance here in this city, man, because this is the city, man. This is San Francisco. There is a chance. There's still that, that gleam of light. So like, <clears throat> there's a little bit of pining away for a past that never existed going on here. Oh, this was a once great city. Shut the fuck up. 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's everyone's lament, right? San Jose, you're hearing it. it it's like every time you go to public comment at a at a council meeting or a soups meeting, you hear that comment. I, you know, I've been in San Jose or I've, I've been in Santa Clara County for 40 years and man, it's a different place. I get it in emails too. As a public servant, you see it in emails all the time. You know, this, this city is a lot different than when I grew up here, when we used to be able to walk down the street and we knew everybody and, you know, we waved to everyone and there was ice cream and soda pop and honey and walnuts and roses everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know what freaking reality they, the they're living in. Um, but it's definitely not I, or what, what they thought they were living in. But it's definitely never been the case. Really, San Francisco has always been a city like any other city with a dirty underbelly. Um, and whether it's this or it's something else, like going back to the industrial age, let's face it. Like you know, if if if, if, the, if the stuff like this isn't happening in a city, I don't know what you know. I don't know what is or if it's really a city. Um, so and and that guy pining for oh well, yeah, we're gonna one day you know no one will be living on the street. Come on, folks. We all know that's bullshit. Even Jesus said it, right? There's going to be poor people for, uh, you know, everywhere. You know, they're always going to be poor people. Um, the question is, can we, can we, you know, reduce the pain? Can we reduce the, the numbers? But you'll never get rid of homelessness or poverty. As long as we're in a capitalist system, that's what we get. So, that's the results. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, we made it to the end of season one of Saving San Francisco. So we'll see what happens in season two. Well, what you're saying there too is just as long as somebody gets to have an abundance, somebody else is going to not have enough, you know? Right. Right. And that's always the case, right? It's um, with when you're talking about that's what capitalism is, right? So if people want to complain, that's the system we've all bought into. So if you have a problem with that, but you also have a problem with, oh, socialism writ large, whatever, you know, get the fuck out. Like it's, That's the choice. That's the choice we have. We can be about each other or we can be about me. Famously, uh, someone, and I don't know who the fuck it is because I don't know these things. Someone was like socialism or barbarism. It seems like we've mm. chosen barbarism. <laughs> um, well, speaking of barbarism, um, we're going to go to, to down ballot here and do a little lightning round of a few down ballot stories. Um, the first of which um, is uh, we're having a special election today in San Francisco. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention it in Assembly District 17. This is to replace David Chu who was uh, appointed city attorney. So we're going to find out um, what it's looking like going into the election tonight. And then we'll, we'll have about right before we leave, we'll probably have the first results posted. Hey, good morning. It's Tuesday, April 19th. I'm Ty Steele. And here's a look at our big stories today. And we just learned that three of the six people killed in the deadly gang shooting on K Street in downtown Wait, Sacramento this is not, had this is not ties what I to want. local gangs. Case this isn't it, is it? Paperwork filed by the district attorney for Smiley Martin, one of the suspected shooters. Well, that's one of them fucking bait and switch videos. Look at this. Baited and switched to this. San Francisco to elect a new legislator and runoff, and then we got a... Three killed in shooting spree. Oh, well. Well, um... It's fine. We can we can certainly move on. We have a, we have more than enough stories, and like I said, we'll have some results in this election soon enough. But um, I can give you the cliff notes. It's basically become a referendum on housing and who wants to build more of it. Um, Yimby versus Yimby. I wouldn't say Yimby versus Nimby. It's just sort of different gradations of Yimby, different gradations of progressivism, which is what happens in San Francisco elections. Like I, I'm more progressive than you. Um, so we'll see Matt Haney versus David Compost. Matt Haney is a current supervisor. David Compost is, I believe, a former supervisor, um, chair of the Democratic Party, or at least a, a vice chair of the Democratic Party. And uh, so um, both of them have establishment support. Both of them have labor support. Both of them are Democrats, um, and, but they've been really 
chomping at the bit to get after each other over who wants to build more affordable housing. We shall see how it comes out. Um, meanwhile, um, Chase Bodine, our, the, the DA up in San Francisco, is still facing a recall election that's coming up in June, I believe. Um, and uh, people have been bagging on him quite a bit. But here's a positive story coming out of his office of something um, they've been doing that's, that's uh, reaping rewards. A dramatic story now about a man who is in prison for a murder he did not commit. He's about to walk free after spending more than 32 years behind bars. Today, a San Francisco judge exonerated Joaquin Siria. He says he was wrongly convicted of the 1990 shooting death of his friend in the city's Soma neighborhood. He's been serving a life sentence. Tonight, we spoke with Syria from jail about the judge's ruling today. It was something. So I got a question. Why is the motherfucker still in jail for even just one more goddamn minute if he's been fucking exonerated of the crime? Process, producer Dave. Process. <laughs> they got to file the paperwork. They got to they gotta check all the boxes. Process. Special. You know, it's something that, like I say, you cannot describe the feeling. I'm happy because, you know, it's, it, it is a one of the more important days of my life. You know, it's one of the important days. Remember, I be, I've been looking for this day, you know, for almost 32 years. You know, I'm final. Justice is down. Mm-hmm. The judge's decision today came after San Francisco's district attorney, Chesa Boudin, requested a new trial. Boudin has a specialized team in his office that reviews cases where incarcerated people say that they were wrongly convicted. In this case, a man came forward to say he witnessed the murder and Syria was not the killer. I'm just mad that he's that the fucking, you know what, fucking cut that red tape and let that motherfucker out. Hell yes, I'm all, I'm with you completely, 100. percent Let him out with earlier, fucking like with simple. like pockets full of fucking hundred dollar bills too, so that he can go have a go have a fucking good old time or whatever, man. Fucking, you could do all the paperwork, you can do all that shit <clears throat> while he's not incarcerated. Yeah, that's a fantastic point, by the way, too. Like we we talk a lot about um you know making sure that folks have stability when they get out of prison, right? Um, and that's for folks who've committed the crimes, right, and do have done their time. What about someone who has been wrongly in prison for thirty years? You know, what do they get? For, what do they get when they're walking out, right? Pat on the back and thanks, thanks a lot. Sorry about the, sorry about the mess. Uh, you know, enjoy your life. Um, we talk about reparations, right? Where's the fucking reparations for Joaquin, right? What, for his time served, right? I, even if he was making minimum wage for thirty years, right? We're talking like a million dollars, really. We owe this guy at least. So uh, let's figure that out, too, while we're figuring out. Chase Boudin, let's figure that out while you're figuring out how to exonerate these folks, figure out how to get them paid for their time served, too, because that's bullshit. You're right. And he should get out right away. I mean, Fuck that shit. unless they talk to him like right after and they were going to let him out the next day or some shit. Right. Like these the, we, you know, fucking murderers or these corporate fucking fiends, they can get out on fucking bail. Right. Like <laughs> the day, that, that very day. Right. They can turn themselves in like and walk in. Oh, I'm, I'm guilty as fuck. And then turn right around and walk out because they paid the bail. Right. And then they can stay at home until their trial. So why can't this guy go home? Good Lord. Process. So, up next, we got a uh, Diane Feinstein addresses reports. She's unfit to serve. Um, There's some ageism going on here, but also like, Diane Feinstein has had a long and successful career, and I think that just anybody who's been in the Senate that long should just think about like 
letting somebody else take their take their seat because it's time like or this other seat. stuff notwithstanding you know yeah i mean i don't mean to be ageist but she's like a billion right so <laughs> she's been around and it's started it is starting to show like i if, if she if the same if a person who's my age was exhibiting the same uh you know same tendencies and um and uh and behaviors that she is exhibiting i'd be a little worried probably even more so <laughs> um so but yeah let's see what they see what folks have to say is fighting back after reports that she's become mentally unfit to serve. According to the Chronicle, four senators, including three Democrats, along with three of her former staffers, say Feinstein's memory is rapidly deteriorating. They add it appears the 88-year-old can no longer do her job without her staff doing most of the work. One Democrat... Well, that's true. Almost every elected official. She just described every elected official. ...toward retirement. Feinstein's term runs through 2024. Feinstein released a statement that touted her efforts to reauthorize the Violence Against Women Act, as well as secure funding for California. It also read in part, quote, I remain committed to do what I said I would when I was reelected in 2018. The real question is whether I'm still an effective representative for 40 million Californians, and the record shows that I am. I did this stuff, that other stuff, notwithstanding, I just think that anybody, oops, anybody who's been there that long has been there too long. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe in term limits per se. I think that elections should be taken more seriously. And if you did that, then you would have term limits because if someone fucked up so egregiously that they needed to go or they were just deteriorating like that, like eventually someone would be able to oust them in a fair election. Right. Um, but we don't, we don't have fair elections and people don't take elections seriously. So unfortunately term limits might be necessary but it's you have to change the constitution for that so that's going to be we, they can barely pass the fucking debt to extend the debt ceiling um or the budget let alone uh approve a perfectly capable woman to be on the supreme court um when they've already appointed some you know alcoholic and a uh you know pro-lifer um so yeah i'm, I'm not going to begrudge and, and get into this pissing match about ageism because it also is spurred a lot by you know the the bernie wing and the progressive wing of the party that wants to just get get her out of there and i agree with them frankly too she has been <laughs> incredibly conservative just, frankly but like, i don't it, it, I, it I comes, don't from, that. It comes from that wing i don't even care about that stuff i just think she fucking get like somebody else like come on let somebody else be the senator don't just don't just fucking bogart the senator yeah don't just bogart I mean, that seat lady you're just bogey. i think she's she's very vulnerable to someone who is serious and can raise the money she's had like token opposition but if if someone wants to jump in who can you know run statewide sam Licardo, <laughs> i know i'm kidding uh, it, uh if someone wants to jump in and can raise a, a significant amount of money to challenge her it would either force her to think twice about it or to um or they, they could oust her it's it's entirely possible um it's just sometimes it's just a question of having the balls to do it like rokana eric swalwell you know dudes mostly um they jump right in. They just say, fuck it. I'm going to go for it. And, I, uh, yeah, this, if, and if she is like starting to lose her memory, that's fine. She's 88. There's like no shame in starting to lose your memory at 88. Right. No, no. And, um, I do want to point out, uh, real one, one quick thing before we move on the violence against women act is probably the worst named bill of all time <laughs> because it's actually preventing violence against women that's the point of it but it's called the violence against women act so i love hearing i voted to reauthorize the violence against women act <laughs> that just makes it just sounds so 
if you want it, if you want an encapsulation of why Democrats and the left are just horrible with uh, messaging, there you go. Wait, just add good one Lord. word to the beginning just of it. Just add one fucking word, preventing violence. I mean, good Lord. Uh, they wanted to be quippy. They wanted to be short because, you know, death panels is short. What if we actually told people the truth? You only need a couple more words to tell people the truth. And I think the truth is much more powerful than bullshit. So, speaking of bullshit, uh, <laughs> every 10 years when the census comes around, we redraw the lines for our... Uh, our congressional districts all the way down to city council districts and um in san francisco it's always fun because there's all sorts of neighborhoods that have are very particular about which district they're in um so we're going to hear about what's going on with their their redistricting controversy on the steps of san francisco city hall a group of redistricting advocates raised concerns about the way the process is going it's not okay to say that the final draft map is violence simply our presence it's being called violence. They say residents in the Portola and Visitation Valley neighborhoods want to be reunited after 20 years of being in different supervisors' districts. But in videos shared by organizer Josephine Zhao, tensions erupted during work sessions and meetings between opposing coalitions. The redistricting board first approved a controversial new map, but then rejected it earlier this week after widespread concerns. It was so blatant, and the disrespect was so blatant that Stevie Wonder called me and he could see it, right? Uzuri Peace Green is with the coalition of groups in Potrero Hill who did not support the now rejected map. They say uniting Portola and Visitation Valley would happen at their expense because they would be cut out of Supervisor Shimon Walton's district. He's the only African-American currently sitting on the board of supervisors and they're concerned they would lose representation at City Hall. Black people in this city have been struggling just to survive. Your mayor is a black woman. Decades, our numbers have been going down. The now rejected map had also raised concerns among LGBTQ and Latino immigrant communities in other districts. Voting down that map also means San Francisco is now missing the deadline for this work to be completed. Everyone watching yes. the process is hoping that a new map will be quickly adopted. The next meeting is scheduled for April 21st. At San Francisco City Hall, Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. Oh, man, of all the things, all the arguments around redistricting that I just hate from people who don't understand fundamentally what it's about, or they're just using it as a reason to make an argument and make a name for themselves and cause trouble is the one about, well, I'll be carved. I don't want to be carved out of this particular council member or this particular supervisor's district, right? This person, not the seat, not the right, the district. It's the person who's going to who's temporal. They could be gone in the next election. They could be termed out in two years for all, you know, I don't know. Um, but it's to get pissed off about having the specific representative is to me a moot point, right? You just, you work with whoever you got. Um, and if you don't like who you get, if you get redistricted, go out there and run someone else or find, you know, vote for someone else, right? Don't just accept what you get. You have too many local elected officials running unopposed anyway. So if you really don't like who's representing you, no matter where you live, go find someone to run against them or you do it. I'm also like, <clears throat> and I, I don't know enough about San Francisco, the history of the way the districts work, that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. I'm also, this is like in the backdrop of like other places outside of California where there <clears throat> different districts are being drawn intentionally to dictate the results of like 
of elections and to dictate the the results yes. of the way the state house works and stuff. So yes. like, if you don't like the way that things are being, the map is being drawn here, it might just be a good idea to fucking back your camera up a little bit and take a look at what's happening in some of our neighboring states like Arizona, how they're, right. how all their maps are being drawn to like Correct. favor, like a specific point of view, especially as yeah. that state turns into a reliable blue state for any kind of at large election. Um, yep. So I would just suggest maybe that if you do, if you are getting um, in California, especially in big cities in California, if you're getting, you know, upset about the way district lines are being drawn, just back that camera out a little bit and take a look at some other places where they're 100%. doing these things specifically to corral votes. Yep, hundred percent. And watch out for um, in the same way. It, t- it tends to be seen as a thing that Republicans or red states do. You know, blue states do the same thing, right? If Democrats have control, whoever has power over it is going to try and control it. So California, we have voted on and, and we have an independent redistricting commission at the state level that covers state and federal races and, and districts. And locally, a lot of jurisdictions have adopted these independent commissions too, or semi-independent commissions. So uh, the more space you have between the politicians and the maps, the better. And so we should appreciate what we have here. You're right. Oh, well, I want to let you roll on down to, to, to local love. But before we go, there's always another thing. And it usually has, it's usually animal related. This one is in the actually winners and losers kind of category, but um, it does fit in both spots. And it's close to home for the, the now space. Can you tell people it what does. happens? Yeah. So um, uh, apparently, uh, well, let's just watch the story. It'll, 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 it'll play for itself, but it's a sad well, one. The owner of a baby goat is pleading for its safe return after security video shows a woman stealing a goat on Friday in Panole. It was a newborn baby goat. Its mother was with other goats. They were clearing vegetation in the area for East Bay mud. The owner of the goat says the newborn goat needs to be back with its mom to survive. Goat mama just wants her baby back. They're they're nice little family animals. Goats are us. And the baby goat really needs the mom. It needs the mom's milk to be able to thrive. Now, the woman seen on video stealing that baby goat was in a silver or gray 2016 Ford Focus SE hatchback. If you have any information, call Pinole Police. Seriously, who's so fucked up that they steal a baby goat? And it's like, um, it's just we take it a little personal around here. When people raid us, it's goats. We have a couple different goat emotes and stuff here for people in the chat. We yeah. have, goats have been like a, an important part of basically online troll culture since like 2012 when we covered the first uh america the next generation's uh facebook page with goats after they stupidly gave it to us right there's just a lot of there's just a lot of problems of here that it it, it brings it brings up some feels for me i'm just gonna say well uh that's why i wanted to include it in the docket because it's more of like a psa for us so if you know anything if you see anything if you know anything about this missing goat please and get turn this person in the Ford Focus in and help us uh, help us get the goat back. That's awful. And don't be stealing baby goats. Or just uh, anything just generally. Or anything baby or anything living or dead. Um, just don't steal shit. Like, you know, be happy with what you got and um, if you need anything or help, ask for it. And you'd be surprised how much people will just drop shit on you. Even you a ask. goat maybe. If, you, if you ask. Right? Ask. They seem to have a lot of goats. Hey, can I adopt this goat? Well, can you take care of it? Sure. What do I need to do to take care of it? Right. Just be responsible. <laughs> Don't just jack the goat. Right. Think, thinking you can raise a goat all on your own. I would know thing one about what to do with a fucking baby goat. Right. You'd probably die within two hours of being with me. Um, 
Try to steal right, a baby well, goat in my neighborhood, and you better try Jesus. Don't try me. <laughs> so yeah, if you hear anything, say, you know, let us know if you need to, or call your local goat authorities um, and make sure that we we capture these fuckers. All right, you want to read us out, producer Dave? I'm exhausted. Yep. This has been down ballot. I'm sorry about the last story. You, you, I skipped another story that you should be really glad I skipped. I'm going to start including the show notes. I'm going to start including the, the Google Doc and the show notes. And also for the live viewers next week, you'll be able to be uh, like a uh, bang down ballot in the chat and get our down ballot docket. Um, nice. I'll set that up because those are things that take five minutes. Um, if you're listening, viewing, watching live, uh, stick around. We're uh, going to go to local love next. I hear Chip DeVille milling around in the green room. Um, also, if you listen to this podcast, you might enjoy the Local Love podcast. Just search for Local Love on any of your podcatchers. We now come up first because the other podcast with that name um, hasn't been a podcast since 2018. Uh, check out our other shows. Just search for Echoplex Media in your podcast app of choice. And if any of our shows don't show up in your podcast app, please let us know. I can fix that for you. All of our shows are now also on uh, iHeart. It took us a long time to get on there. I think because they suck, mm -hmm. not because our shows suck. Um mm -hmm. Tomorrow night is 4.20, but uh, HK will be live in studio for the Intellectual Dollar Tree. That'll be 7 p.m. Pacific or on your podcatchers. We're not sure what we're going to do. Um, maybe Tommy Chong did an extended conversation with Joe Rogan. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. Joe Rogan's too litigious. We can't do it. Anyway, this is fucking Locals by Audible Smoke Signal, and we'll be back next weekend or next week for Down Ballot, and we'll be here every night except Thursday. Goodbye. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone Just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice For the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car Just to get to where they are Here at the local scene Is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette And I hold my drink I look at all my friends They're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage Waiting for MTV Where are those guys Who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand Ready to blaze for me About five minutes later We're all singing We left in the book of months and like the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car To smoke another one what? And another one Woo! Now just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight. It's down and dirty and five, so we're headed outside. Just spark up another joint now. Who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being.
saying who I gotta be I'm fucked up like the US economy The truth is, is that I don't think logically Stone to E take you on a psychedelic odyssey Now inside motherfuckers is rocking me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rocking the rolly on the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck but I'll probably do a sloppily We do what we want and what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band Echoplex has a 24-hour stream? That's right. Check out our 24-7 music stream at echoplexmedia.com live or at eplex.xyz. Our huge self-submitted local music library plays the best tunes the Bay Area has to offer, adding commercial-free, well, except for ours, and even by request. Check out the player on echoplexmedia.com or at eplex.xyz. Bookmark it and enjoy it all day. Echoplex is very supportive of our local music scene, and we hope you enjoy the soundtrack they've so graciously sent in for us to play on our network. If you like who you hear, please go check them out. The names of the artists are displayed on the player at echoplexmedia.com and at eplex.xyz.